Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. My name's Joe. It's a pleasure to be here this morning to wrap up our series about getting ready for the year ahead. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, just as in this time of worship and just as I was reflecting, don't you sometimes when you hear other people's stories, you, I don't know, I can't get caught up into this. There's a whole lot more going on in God's space than I'm aware of. It's just so much happening. As a, I was just reminded of a, a lyric from a worship song where uh, they're singing, yeah, catch me up in your story. And I love to hear what's going on because I think it just, it captures us and it draws us into something bigger than ourselves. And, uh, and today as we talk about getting ready for the year ahead, and I feel like we're into the year ahead, and so uh, this is the last uh, message in this series before we kick into something new. Um, hopefully you're already ready, but let's just finish it off well, uh, because I think the Lord's drawing us into something a little bit bigger, like bigger than our circumstance, bigger than our context, because we start to hear the stories of what God's doing in the people around us. Speaking of stories, um, I've just been captured a little bit lately um, with love stories. Um, Awkwardly feel like I'm becoming the middle-aged, hopeless, romantic person, which is not great. But anyway, I've been listening to this audio book by a local Brisbane author where he's just collected people's love stories. We just talked to people who just walk in the streets, just doing life in, in our city, Brisbane, and just collected their love stories. And like if you've ever read or or watched many Australian stories, they're beautiful and brutal and and elegant and harsh and, and, and touching and heartbreaking, yet strangely like rough. Have you noticed that about Australian stories? There's something about our land and about the place that we are that kind of is expressed in the way that we express affection. But in, in listening to this just story after story of what people's love looks like in their lives, what struck me was that the connection for me between all of these stories was just when someone's heart is open to someone else, there's just this, there's this sacrifice of, of giving, of, of giving of oneself, this laying down of one's life for the sake of another. And as we start the year together, I just thought, you know, Love's got to be central, right? Like, love's what it's all about. God is love. Aren't we called to love him and love others? Like, you know, that's really a key part of what we should be about, right? Right? Yes, good, good. Okay, good. Good, good. Because it's all about God's love. The hard part is that that's often missing from the world around us, right? When we look at the news, we look at what's going on in our streets and in our schools and, and in the, the friendship circles that we have where there's brokenness, it's usually because love's missing. And when God's love is missing, wow. No wonder things go off the rails. No wonder life looks chaotic and crazy. But as I thought about this, I thought, well, how does love get us ready for what the Lord has for us in this year ahead. How does love prepare us for a life of following after Jesus? I mean, there's the obvious answer, like, it's all about love, God is loving, like I said. But what does that practically look like? How does that actually work out in our lives? 
I mean, love makes us feel good. It can make us feel confident. It can make us feel uh, bold and courageous. That's all really good. But when we stop and actually look at what the Bible says about love, it takes us even deeper into God's story. Because love needs an object, and love needs a subject. It needs someone who's doing the loving and someone who's being loved. And, and, and when love works really well, it's reciprocated too. So when we talk about loving and love being the key, who's loving who and how does that work? Last week, Pastor Nick really, um, I thought, elegantly led us through this truth of, of what it's like to be invited into God's presence and the way that we can come before him where he gives us this beautiful gift of repentance and, and conviction and, and then filling us afresh. And as his spirit fills us, he leads us through this life that we know him, we learn to cultivate in our lives hearing his voice. We, we let Jesus do what he wants to do through his spirit's presence in our life. Nick reminded us of the passage in John 14, which I thought was just so pertinent. It says this in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, says Jesus, as he's talking to his disciples in his last meal before the crucifixion, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. If you love me, you walk with me, and I'll be with you, and I'll live in you. There's, there's a connection between love and our obedience and our inclusion in this great big story of God's, this great big plan that he's got for all of humanity to know him, for him to be glorified and lifted up, and all who would respond would come to him. You know, and this is what boggles my mind. In like Jesus is at this, this meal, it's his last meal before his crucifixion, and he loves us so much that he gave his life for us. But that would have been almost like the simple way. I love you, I'm dead, I'm out. But he loves us so much he gave his life for us and he wants to live with us forever. That's love. Like you think about the people in your life. Eternity, how much is your love there? But Jesus says, I love you so much, I'll give everything to set you straight and I'm going to spend the rest of forever with you. That's love. Wow, I know me, that would be tough. So what happens when we have this love? What happens? What, what does it get us? When we enter into this relationship with Jesus, when we give our lives to him, when he becomes Lord, the one in charge, the one who sets the agenda for our lives, um, um, the, the one who determines what's actually best for us when we live that way, it opens up a whole lot. As I was just saying, Pastor Nick talked about last week, we get his presence with us, his, his Holy Spirit who works in us. And that then brings this overflowing bonus of the, the fruit of his presence in our lives, peace and joy and patience. We get you know, peace in the midst of chaos. We get love that breaks fear. We get joy that actually starts to fill our tanks, not self-criticism, which drains it. We also find out who we really are when God's love touches our lives. Our identity is revealed to us. The power of love in your life reminds you that you're not worthless. You're worth the life of the Son of God. That no matter how dirty and broken and hurt you feel, God wants to heal and restore and set you straight. Bind up your wounds and tell you that you're loved. No matter how things are, 
You're not defined by the chaos and the mess that seems to be in your life. Jesus comes to us with loving kindness and draws us into that truth that, no, you're valuable. Every one of us is valuable. Every single person, whether they know Jesus or not, is valuable. Every one of us is loved. For some of us, that's a really hard thing to hear, that we're loved. But it's true, we are. The wrestle with who Jesus says we are, dearly beloved children of God, brothers and sisters, with Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, valuable, wow, like when we start to get that, like, you know, have you been around people who get that in their lives? There's a bunch of people in this room who I know are like that, and I love to be around you because when I'm around that, the overflow of that touches my life. You know those people, right? Grant knows them. He's one of them. Have you been around those people? Because love changes everything. The love of God in our lives touches everything. It, it strengthens us. To quote the, the great poet Huey Lewis, it's, it's hard like diamonds and rich like cream. You know. That one's not going to work tonight at the evening service. But, you know, I'm using it for you guys because I love you. We see the transformational power of the love of God in Scripture. Let's open our Bibles up to the end of John's Gospel, John chapter 21, if you've got your Bible there. The power of love in the life of someone. There's this guy called Peter. Uh, if you've read John's Gospel, probably John's kind of arch rival for the affections of Jesus. And Peter's been through a lot. If you've read the Gospels, Peter's right there with Jesus almost the whole time, except for this one moment. Probably the really important moment, the crucifixion, Peter's missing. There's a whole thing that goes terribly wrong for Peter where he promises his love will be undying and eternal, and then as soon as it's pressed, his love seems to desert him, and his confidence to say that Jesus, yeah, I'm in with him, seems to have just disappeared. And there's this... There's this moment where the love of God, I think, just absolutely wrecks Peter's life. In John chapter 21, verse 15, there's this moment when the seven disciples and Jesus who are there on the beach that morning after his resurrection, when they have finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. That's nice. But but the love of God hasn't yet done that thing in Peter's life that it needs to. It's going to do something to this guy who was right there and missed it, right at the most important point. He says in verse 16, the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus says to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. 
And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I mean, capture that in the moment. It doesn't always translate across the centuries, but Peter's heart is broken by the love of Jesus that he would stand there and eyeball him, the one who he trusted so much, who actually let him down at his most significant moment of need. Jesus is left alone in his suffering, and Jesus stands before Peter, resurrected, and says, I know that you love me. Do you really love me? And Peter's heart breaks with the love of Jesus as he eyeballs him and says, I love you, I love you. It doesn't matter what you did, I love you. And it transforms this loudmouth, impetuous guy who, who was jealous and angry and did all sorts of crazy things, who didn't look like the picture of someone that would represent the Son of God to the world. It touches his life and transforms him to someone who will go and include the people who are furthest away from God. Turns him into an evangelist that can't stop talking about the love of God expressed in Jesus. There's another person. I just want to stop by a little bit of his story. Paul. If you turn to Romans chapter 8. Paul who, as he started out in his, what he thought was his career, loved to kill people who followed this rebel leader, Jesus. It was really, really right, but not overly loving. (laughs) So right to the point that if you were wrong, it would cost you everything, usually your life. But Paul is touched by the love of God. So significantly, not only does he just knock him off his horse, it totally rewires and rewrites his entire purpose for living. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, you get this little glimpse of what God has done in the life of this hard-nosed, religious, righteous person who who was right at the cost of absolutely everything. And he says this, and it's beautiful when you hear the heart behind it. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 31. Romans 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will not also with him graciously give us all things? And this is Paul who didn't spare people, but he sees what God did through Jesus. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ? Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised. And who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. And this is the bit. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I can hear Paul saying, I had a crack it and I couldn't separate anyone from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. I mean, Paul's been both the perpetrator and the victim of a lot of those things. As it is written, he says, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why? It's through him who loved us. And then there's this beautiful end to this, which, oh, wow. For I am sure, some versions might say, I am convinced. Like, you can do what you like, but you're not going to convince me out of this. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things right now, nor things that are coming up, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, in case I didn't already cover it, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I hear him, Paul, as he, as he recalls, he goes, I tried to separate people from the love of God. I did my darndest because I didn't think it was. But God touches him from someone who was right without love to the one who 
only speaks the truth in love. Like it's beautiful to see the power of God touch a life. And I know, I know for sure that there's story after story in a place like this of God stepping into a life that maybe to someone else's standard looked right, that maybe to someone else's standard was the, 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 the depiction of virtue. God says, that's not how I designed you. My love's going to touch your life and it's going to stand you right side up. There's so many stories like that. And, and the beauty of a community of believers like this is that when we share these stories together, it catches us up into something that God's doing more widely and more deeply than we could ever imagine. As I was, uh, had a, a break over Christmas and the New Year, I um, kind of went through this kind of, int- I think actually I reflect on it, almost like a spiritual detox. I mean, physically detox. Our whole family got gastro between Christmas and New Year, so that was started the year fresh and empty and ready. Um, but then I kind of, the week between Christmas, uh, after Christmas, that next week, as we were at home just having some time off, I was just wrestling and I feel like God was just touching stuff in my heart and I, was, I felt like I was hearing God's heart, but I was still wrapped up in my own fleshly response to it. And I'm like, God, I want to see more and it's not okay. And I was getting upset and I said to Penny, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about that. And she very politely said, hmm. I was passionate, but there was a lot of love in there. And then as we got to just spend some time away from Brisbane, I just got to spend some time just praying and reflecting. And I just, Lord just started just to remind me of things. And I read some stuff and I listened to some stuff. And I just was struck again by this beautiful little phrase. And, and actually Nick mentioned it last week in his message too. But Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And it struck me, and maybe this is a, I already knew this if you're listening, but, you know, we live by the Spirit. When Jesus is Lord, the Spirit lives in us. He's the one that regenerates us and makes us a new creation. We're alive because of the Spirit, but that's actually not enough. There's an invitation to walk in step with Him. There's an intention about our lives. There's a closeness in following His ways, staying close to Him and knowing His voice that that Nick talked about last week, that Paul's writing about in Galatians. It's the life, the lived experience of a disciple of Jesus. And I think that's why love is essential for this year ahead, because it draws us into relationship with Him. As His love captures us, as it grasps not just our heart, but our, our thinking and our activity, it draws us in. And obligation becomes enjoyment. And meaningless activity, because I'm told to do it, suddenly becomes the overflow of the joy of my life. How does that happen? I hear you ask. I have him on retainer. <laughs> God's love for us draws us deeper into intimacy with him. In fact, just at the, before the service started, I was talking to Kevin, who's on, on stage assist this morning, and we are just discussing this, and he says, yeah, you can't, you can't have intimacy with that relationship, can you? And that's right, the love of God isn't just something that we should know about, uh, just it's out there, it's God's love, it's beautiful. It draws us into intimacy with him. It draws us into knowing him. Because when we experience love, we can't stay away from the person that we love, right? And love captures our hearts. Like, you see young people in love, new love. Uh, I will not share anything on the grounds that I may incriminate family members, but when you see new love in young people, you see them change. 
there's like this magnetic pull towards one another. And there's all these feelings and all these expressions of it. And I get like, you know, if you read Ephesians 5, this relationship between, between a married couple is this reflection of Jesus and his people, the church. And you start to see just the smallest, most minute, microscopic glimpse of, of this passionate love that God has for his people, right? And this, this excitement and this, this invitation. God wants us to have that love, that passionate love for him. In fact, if you've got your Bible still open from before, turn over to Revelation chapter 3. It's really interesting. Uh, chapter 2, sorry. There's a really interesting conversation, let's say, about love. And Jesus is talking to this this family of believers in a city called Ephesus which has the, even the word means my beloved and he's talking to the beloved in a city that's called my beloved and he, and he says this to the angel of the church in Ephesus I'm going to write this the words of him who holds the seven, seven stars in his right hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands I know your works your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, have tested those who call themselves apostles in the night and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. Like, man, they sound like good Christians. You have not grown weary. Like, wow, that's, a, that's an example. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Oh, Wow. That's the invitation. I think that's what God's looking for, is hearts that are just burningly in love with him. And we all express love differently and we all show our affection in different ways, but there's this thing that God's inviting us into. And so many of us already know it. We've got these well-worn pathways of this passionate love with our Lord, but he continually invites us in. Don't lose the first love. Don't lose that young, passionate love. Our life as a disciple of Jesus is marked by the outrageous love we have for God because of his outrageous love for us. It keeps us alive and vital. It keeps us going in God. Jesus says this really interesting thing straight after that. Don't, for, don't forsake your first love. You, you've, you've lost the fire of your love. And he says this in verse 5. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent. You know, turn around your thinking and your action, he says. Do the works that you did at first. If not, I'll come and take this lampstand away from you. But there's this there's this even instruction that if, if you don't feel like the love of God is a fire burning in the pit of your belly, say, so okay, so turn back and do the things that you know to do. Do the things that new love is marked by. And um, I hope this makes you a little bit uncomfortable, but in the good way, in the love way, right? Should be uncomfortable, a little bit challenged by love, by the, the public displays of affection to Jesus. But what do people who are newly in love do? They spend lots of time together. Like, lots of time together. Like, who can honestly say that they don't have someone who's been in their friendship circle sometime through their life who's fallen in love with someone and you're like, do they even exist anymore? Right? 
many years as a young adult pastor, that would be one of the main counseling and, and pastoral care needs was someone coming in who wasn't in love and was sad that their friend is now in love and they never see their friend anymore. There's time together. There's just this, this desire to be in each other's company. There's affection, there's sacrifice. I'm going to give of my time. There's also this joy that is probably like somewhat over the top, but is it? The seemingly endless hours of just talking, of conversation, of getting to know the other person, right? What are the hallmarks of a passionate life of discipleship to Jesus? Well, Paul writes something a little bit similar, actually, in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, rejoice always. You know that kind of uncomfortable joy? (laughs) Pray without ceasing. Just that endless conversation that never stops because you just can't stop talking to the other person. Give thanks in all circumstances. The overflow of happiness and joy because of the relationship that you found. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. They sound like the actions of someone in love, right? Because if it doesn't, it sounds like a long list of things that I have to do in order to be a good person. And I'd much rather do it as an overflow of the passionate love I have for Jesus. Uh, think about it this way. Um, I really love Penny. It's my wife. Really, really love her. Like that awkward, uncomfortable, I've kind of, all of my eggs are in this basket, all of my chips are in, I've laid down the card, I've got nothing else in the tank, this is, this is where I've decided to spend my life. Right? And I'm fairly confident it's reciprocated. Happy days. John married us, so he stuck too. It's another good one. Did a good job. But you know what that looks like for us is that we just want to talk to each other all the time. That there's constant conversation through the day. There's text messages. There's how is everything going? How is your day? How's it gone so far? What are you doing? What are you having for lunch? That's changed a little bit now that she's working full time as am I. So it's like, did you get to have lunch today? But we're looking after each other. We're asking each other. We're talking through the day. We just can't wait to be together. And if that's just a human relationship with all of our foibles and limitations and God says, I'm going to dwell in you and I love you even more than you can possibly love someone else and I can be with you all the time. In fact, I am with you all the time, even until the end of absolutely everything. Wow, how much more? I don't even have to worry about if, if he'll get my message because he's hearing it the moment I say it and he, and he wants to respond to me. Like, how good is that? Like, like this, is, this message is around getting ready for the year by, by speaking with God, by knowing God in prayer. And, and prayer isn't an obligation. It's the overflow of a deep, passionate love for God. If, if, if we desire it in our earthly relationships, I think God's given us the capacity to pursue it with him. And it's interesting in that Revelation passage because he, he talks about some really interesting things there. He says, just love God. Remember the love you had at first, that young love, that excited, passionate, everything is about this love. And if it's not there, go back to what you did at first. So think about this in a few different ways. For some of us, there's, 
There's the heart passion, but we maybe stop doing the things that draw us into deeper intimacy with him. Maybe we're like those people in Ephesus that, I, I love God, I give everything for him, but right now we're not real connected. Well, go back to the things you used to do. Those stolen moments, first thing in the day, late at night on a drive to somewhere where you just can't help but want to be with him, to hear his word, to, to speak out your affection to him, to, to, to just worship because it just talks to him about who he is and how he makes you feel about everything. And, and it starts to broaden your horizons that this is who God might be. Maybe this isn't actually not an issue for you at all. Maybe you're someone who loves Jesus and you just can't stop talking about it. Then you get to be this, this agent of God's love for the people around you because in a moment I'm going to ask you for that. I'm not going to make you stand up, but if you're those kind of people, if, if God's love has marked your life, I want everyone else to come find you and ask you what you did. How do you do it? How do you maintain it? Maybe you're one of those people that your heart catches up when you start to actually do something about it. And the Revelation passage tells us too, do the things you used to do because it's going to stir something in your heart. So it actually doesn't matter where you're at today. God's inviting us to spend time with him. The, the, the connection, the deep heart love we have for one another, us and God, God for me and me for him, you for him and him for you. It draws us into spend time. So with Pastor Ian just in the foyer before the service and he said, you know, those... Those married couples that just have this deep love and passion, those, those old friends who spend a lifetime together and just got this, this beautiful commitment to one another. It doesn't matter. You don't even have to be talking. You just love to be near each other. Sometimes it's not even filling the conversation with noise. Sometimes it's just being with him. It just reminds me of that, that beautiful scene at the Last Supper where John the disciple, he doesn't even need to talk. He just wants to lean on Jesus. He's inviting us as we get ready for this year to have that depth of love and intimacy because it sets everything straight for us. We can cultivate a passion by thanking him in every moment, by being aware of him because he loves, it says in Romans 5, his love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. You've already got it if you've got him. He just wants to wake it up. So, we enter into these rhythms of love with a conversation of love with the one who loves us, always acknowledging his love because it's his love that changes us and draws us to himself. His love and kindness draws us into deeper relationship with him. It says in Romans 2.4, his love and kindness draws us to repentance. Don't forget, he says. Don't you forget, in the midst of all of this other stuff that's going on, it's his love and kindness that draws us in. Repentance, repentance brings us in to deep intimacy. The goal is to know and reciprocate his love with him and then into the lives of the people around us. As we cultivate this relationship, it cultivates communication. You can't have one without the other. You can't have intimacy without relationship. So what does that look like for you this year? What does it look like as you start to consider what the Lord has laid out before you, that the purpose and the meaning and the value of your life is found in him, and he says, I love you. What does that look like for you? Is there stuff you need to, to see reestablished in your life, or maybe established for the first time in your life that's going to start to 
let love flourish. What conversations has the Lord been inviting you into that maybe you don't want to have or you've been avoiding or that you didn't even know were actually important to have? Sometimes you get afraid of those conversations. You ever have those thoughts where you're in prayer and all of a sudden it's like this, this thought, you're like, oh, that might change absolutely everything about my life. I had one of those thoughts in the in-between week between the, the gastro and the good week. Like, what if, this, what if all of this looked different and it was talking about something in my life? Oh, I can't think about that. Can't think about that. Don't want to think about that. And I just feel like, like, no, it's okay. I'm a safe place. You can think about anything. You can talk to me about whatever you need to talk about. And I'm like, oh, God, okay. Why did you put that in my head? Because we were praying and all of a sudden it popped into my head. So I figure uh, it's, you want to talk about it. So we started to just talk about it. Man, I just feel like a burden just lifted off my life. And he's like, it just, I felt so affirmed because I just spent time developing that relationship and I let him speak into my life. And I'm like, God, I thank you that you got me right where I need to be. Wow. Right where you want me to be. I don't need to worry about those thoughts. They're good things to have because it affirms what you're doing in my life. I don't need to be afraid because your love casts out fear. What's he... What's he wanting to talk to you about? What does he want to sit and converse with you about? Maybe he wants you to help other people learn to have conversations with him. Maybe you're one of those faithful, beautiful people who have cultivated a life of intimacy with God and God saying, hey, there's people who don't know how to talk to me and I want to send you to show them how to love me well. Maybe that's you in the room today. Maybe there's just stuff in your life that you need God to step into and he's saying, hey, I've got an opinion and I've got a perspective and I've probably got a solution to a lot of these things. Will you come? Will you spend time with me? Will you step into my story? As the song we said before, there's this little lyric just in the verse which we probably missed, but it says, will you let love keep my will upon its knees? Whoa. Will love get my priorities in the right order so that... I'm not telling God what he should and shouldn't do, but he's saying, I love you so much. Would you come and that Matthew 11 thing, work with me, walk with me, learn my ways. It's going to bless you. What's he talking to you about this year? What's he inviting you to talk about? If you're not sure, if you're not sure how this works, there's people around you who want to share with you what it's been like for them. As a community, as we pull together, as we start to to connect with one another because of the great love that he's given us, which manifests in love for one another. He's blessed us with people who are on the journey in front and behind and beside who are going to speak into this. Whether you're online watching this sometime during the week or live right now, or whether you're in the room, there's people who just want to spend time with you and talk as a reflection and overflow of who God has been for them. Ask him, how do you do it? What does it look like for you? I I hope that the cafe this morning is full of people just going, so what does love look like for you from Jesus? How do you talk to him? I'm good at it. I'm bad at it. I wrestle with it. In all of it, he's inviting us to just pick up where we left off. The conversation hasn't stopped. He's just ready and waiting. You don't have to start from scratch. You don't have to explain it again. He's got a really good memory. He just wants to spend time with you speaking to you, hearing your voice, knowing what matters to you. He already knows, but it matters when you say it.
He's never going to stop. He's never going to run out. He's never going to get fed up. To avoid quoting another poet, he's never going to give you up. <laughs> but it's true. I believe for every single one of us right now, he's inviting us to know him a little more because he just can't wait to tell you about how much he loves you about what he wants to do in your life, what he wants to do in the lives of the people that matter to you, about what he wants to do in the people around you, about the plans that he has for you. He just can't wait. Are you asking? Are you talking? Are you listening? Are you actually coming before him and going, God, I just I want to know you more. And that's our invitation today. It's just to come before him and go, God, I, I don't want to pray or serve out of obligation. I want to do it because you love me and it's just the expression of love back to you. I don't want us to be a church that is obliged. I want us to be a church that loves. Because obligation will get us somewhere, but love is going to change everything. So let's stand. Invite the team to come back out and just lead us in this time. And I don't know what he wants to do. I sense he wants to bring some healing to some bodies and some freedoms to some lives. And we might lean into that or... You can just even come forward to our prayer team who will be either side and some of our pastoral team down the front here. If you need healing or freedom for anything, he loves to love us that way. And I sense he wants to do some things like that, but it's not just that, but there's an invitation to love him, to know him, to come before him afresh, that as we, as we taste and see that he is good, man, we just, we hunger for more. We want more. So I'm going to pray for us. And then Kayla and James are going to lead us into just this love response to him. You do it how you need to today, but don't miss the opportunity. He is faithful. He will respond to your request, but he wants to love you more. He wants to talk with you, spend time with you, to bless you. Let's pray. Jesus, oh, I thank you that you, even though you, you, you went back to the Father's right hand, you didn't want us to be cut off and separate from you, and you gave us your spirit so that we could always be in connection, always in conversation, always knowing you, loving you, and being loved by you. You've not left us, you've not forsaken us, you've not cut us off, but you constantly, every day, in every moment, invite us, invite us to know you more, to love you more. As we respond now, Lord, would you come and meet us in that place? Would you love us where we are? Lord, as I heard that beautiful lady this morning share that even in the direst of circumstances, she's just overwhelmed by her love for you. Lord, make that true of every one of us. Lord, let us not take your love for granted, but in every moment, Lord, just, oh, the gratitude and the unspeakable riches of your love, let it well up and say, Lord, as we worship you now, would you meet us? Would you pour your love afresh in this Holy Spirit? Would you do what only you can do? Would you come with the love of God poured afresh into our hearts today? Amen. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.